This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. It's a special radio ratings podcast today. We don't very often do one of these, and um, I haven't done one with a couple of uh, media agency executives before. We're going to hear about buying and selling radio, um, how they do it. We're going to get really inside, and we're going to get their feedback on the on the commercial stations. We're going to be looking at some of the results from Survey 3, GFK's uh, radio survey three for 2018, which the results came out this week. Our guests today, Ashley Earnshaw from Amplify. Welcome, Ash. Hey, good morning. Now, you're the uh, Chief Investment Officer over there. That's correct. Good, good, to, <laughs> good to hear from you. Now, I, I caught up with you at the radio conference. Was it last year? Was it, yeah, um, that's great. You, you know, I was on a panel with you, yeah, so right. you, were, you were very uh, gentle with me, mate, so don't go too hard today if I ask, ask some sort of dodgy questions. Also joining us, Andrew Brannigan from OMD. Good morning. Hello, Hello, mate. Now, you look after um, Head of Trading for OMD down in Melbourne. Correct, indeed. Okay, that's wonderful. It'd be great to get your insights too. Um, Just a little disclaimer now, uh, one of your clients uh, is Nova in your group, uh, Ash. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. So the uh, the business uh, represents them. So he's already warned us. There'll be lots of uh, chat about Nova today. Um, No, he's going to be dispassionate. He said he'll have a, he'll have a, um, he'll pull back a bit and just, just look at the market in general. Now, guys, tell us, there's eight radio surveys a year. Um, How important is survey by survey and how important is looking at the big picture? I mean, can your results, can you go in and affect a a, a campaign and plans off of one survey result? Yeah, look, we've always taken a view that you need to look at an aggregation of surveys. I think when you you get to survey three, as we are now, normally the changes of talent happen you know beginning of the year um, the networks take stock of where they are uh, come q4 and, and and then make changes we saw some of those changes um last year and into this year so i think survey three is quite important it's quite pivotal but i think you know we we take a balanced approach and we would look at an aggregation of survey data um, rather than a one survey trend that said um, when we do see big spikes or big changes um we would look at that and interrogate that for our clients Mm. What, what about you, um, Drew? Can, can you sort of, you know, if there's a you know, move up, the, the big the moves aren't big, are they? It might be, you know, move up 1.5 and move down 1.5. Is that, can that yeah. affect a spend? Uh, not really, no. No. Not really, no. <laughs> um, like we've seen for Survey 3, you know, there hasn't been really any major shifts. Um, there's been a couple of niggles here and there, but nothing too drastic. So n- no alarm bells, so to speak. And are there are there times of the year when a, a particular survey might be more important than another? I mean, do you, do you get around the middle of the year, four and five, or is it towards the end of the year when you might be in negotiations? Uh, it depends. So when we do a negotiation, we always look at a rolling 12 months. So we don't just look at, you know, for example, 2018, survey one to three, we actually go back a rolling 12 months. So you're capturing survey four from last year, up to survey three for this year to take into account a full twelve months. Yeah, Ash, what about what about you and your team? Yeah, I think it, it, I think it depends really. You know, we're 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 negotiating across a, a broad um, client base. Uh, we're trying to we're trying to find value for them. Um, you know, some clients have got annualised um, agreements. Um, though those aren't necessarily always calendar. They can be fiscal. Uh, th- these days, there isn't one shape fits all. Um, the the agreements we have with the radio networks um, on behalf of our clients aren't just looking at survey data you know we're thinking about hopefully we'll interrogate some of those areas today but we're thinking about their podcasting their digital services um talent uh, we have you know clients that have affiliations with 
um, certain codes, clients that have affiliations yep. with certain um, talent from the network. So I think, I think from a survey point of view, certainly I would think on average mid-year, close of the year, is pretty important for us to look at. Um, as Andrew said, um, we, we would look at rolling, rolling survey data, um, but it depends what that tells us. Maybe we'd look at th- three surveys on a run if it tells a different story. Yes. So it's all about leveraging value um, and all about you know a fair and equitable approach with the radio networks, I would say. The, um, the TV numbers always seem to spike a little bit in winter. More people are indoors. Uh, they get indoors earlier when it's dark. I'm thinking, are there less seasonal factors affecting radio, do you think? Or can that have an effect to... I think uh, AFL season, definitely. Okay. When the AFL's being called, there's generally a bit of a spike across Triple M and those guys. Um, seasonality, yes and no. Hot versus cold? Well, you've got the, you know, you've got the opposite. You've got the kind of when a talent all, you know, the, the talent work hard during the year, or some of them do. Um, so, you know, we, we, we obviously got the kind of off-season for the talent, um, same as TV ratings periods. I, I think it's less pertinent than, than, than TV. Um, there, there's less There's less focus within radio on sort of the aggregated audience like there is in television. Um, different metrics, different ways of looking at it. Um, so it has less of an impact on what, what clients want. That, that said, um, you know, it, when when talent aren't necessarily um, you know on air, uh, you, you may have a, a big spike in terms of client demand. Certainly around Christmas and, and the lead up with retail, we, we know that you know uh, some truisms about radio have always been there, and certainly retail um, you know, big spenders uh, when it comes to radio in in the Q4 and the lead up to sort of the Christmas rush. Um, the radio sector, I guess, worth over a billion dollars a year. Um, I think that's just Metro Radio too, isn't it? So you, mm-hmm. regional would push it to well over that. Mm-hmm. The two groups you guys represent would probably account for over a third of that, maybe 40%, getting on towards half perhaps. Um, how much, Ash, start with you, how much of that is is negotiated in sort of annual deals with um, with different networks? Yeah, um, um from a radio point of view, it's, a, it's actually less, less upfront negotiated than television. Um, it's more of a dynamic uh, market. Increasingly, increasingly these days, um, you know, we, we seem to have fewer and fewer uh, formalised deals. It also very much depends on the client as well. I mean, you know, Andrew's alluded to the AFL and the strength of sport. It may be that we have a you know, longer-term agreement for some of our clients that are, are very much hooked into um, a certain code or a certain element of radio. Um, so I would say less less than television, um, but again, it's all about driving value for clients, and that doesn't necessarily mean that upfront there's a lay down of um, a lay down of a, a spend commitment or a share commitment. Um, so I would say I would say certainly um, less less than half of it is upfront laid down at these days. Okay, what about you, Drew? Same for us. So we certainly have some deals in mark at the moment, um, especially when our clients are active every single week of the year. Um, we set the year up, and obviously we negotiate added value over and above to tr- you know to further strengthen clients' messaging in market. Um, but it's definitely less than what we have in terms of TV deals, especially. When it comes to rate setting, h- how much? Um, I often think in you look at TV. I mean, it's the agencies really almost control the rates, don't they? Because it's just on popular and what's popular, what's in demand. Is it? Similar in radio, or is it? Or do the companies have a bit more of a say on what they can charge? Uh, or am I wrong on both accounts? Uh, I think the radio rate card's quite fluid. With the TV rate, rate cards, it, it, it's set for the year. Obviously, you negotiate a, a position on that, and obviously that will deliver your rate and CPM. With a radio rate card, I said it's quite fluid based on demand. Um, mm. That's why we normally try and negotiate on CPM versus hard rate, and actually take into account the audience of that station at that particular point in time. Yeah. But you, Ash? 
Yeah, I think that they're fair observations. Um, I think from a radio point of view, it's, it's I think it's more of a trade. You know, it's it's trading at its heart. I think it's still a, a medium that um, you know, invites more trading. Um, I think those that those in the market that um, you know work well with radio, those experts that we have, you know, for example, an amplifier, those people that are able, um, as Andrew says, to find pockets of value. Um, you know, you can do more deals in radio. I would say um, that the, the rate card is less set. Um, and I think that you know certainly from a radio point of view, uh, more than television, you know the the ebbs and flows of uh, market demand um, di- dictate the value that can be negotiated through it. So uh, we find you know working with the radio networks certainly there's, 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 it's more of a sort of trading medium. That said, I think that you know um, certainly that what what we've noticed in the market year to date, uh, outside of what agencies are controlling, is um, potentially. Um, you know the networks moving more to kind of sort of commoditizing some of the value they have uh, as a big problem for radio you know we'll we'll talk about audiences today but audiences don't necessarily mean radio Um, and i think that you know from a radio point of view certainly in 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 sort of the the spot driven area which you know is more focused on this survey data uh you know trying to trying to grow value for radio um is becoming more challenging i would observe how much easier is it these days to buy um total audiences across um, cap cities, regional, and, and is that something you want to do? Because I know the CRA's made a lot of efforts in recent years to increase the frequency of um, surveys in a lot of regional markets, which weren't so surveyed very often or sometimes yep. never in the past. Sure. And then a company like Southern Cross Stereo has um, made a big effort to rebrand a lot of their stations, either Hit Network or, or Triple M. Has that helped? And, and is, that, is that good? Or is there still more work to do, do you think? I think it's positive. You know, I think I think it's positive. Um, I've always been a, a big advocate of radio and audio in general. I think um, the work that Southern Cross have done over the past couple of years under um, you know new leadership has, has been around that that kind of standardisation of brand. Um, I think it makes it easier for clients to understand, e- easier for planner buyers to understand as well. Um, I think it, you know it's a nice headline to kind of align. Um, FM and you know sort of metro and regional radio I don't necessarily see that as as important um I think you know it's important for us to think across dig- digital and and radio I think that that at the moment is very important for clients but you know most clients have got you know regional radio strategies they've got um metro radio strategies I think most clients are very happy with that approach I I, I personally for our group don't see an issue with that mm. true yeah same yeah yep. yeah is um is regional radio miss out much? But, Definitely. Yeah, <laughs> because it's just it's just easier, I guess, to buy metros, and they're the biggest audiences. Is it? it can it be fiddly sometimes to add on um, regional? Or I don't think it's so much fiddly. I just think a lot of clients' money, if a radio is actually pushed to a metro perspective, and probably regional's probably let off, or or regional is generally picked up through digital or through a regional TV coverage. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's um you know the for me they're the the highly valuable audiences. I mean this this extends to sort of the regional TV as well as radio. But um, when you look at regional radio, um, you know the the population in regional is well documented about disposable income as well is well documented certainly about the um, sort of the older demographics from a eastern seaboard point of view certainly up into Queensland that that they're a valuable audience right and um, and just as effective. So uh, to Andrew's point, I think it's you know unfortunately. Uh, from a regional radio point of view, sometimes uh, regional radio can fall off the schedule more easily than the metro radio. Is that right? Probably not. Um, but the, but we certainly would see regional as very valuable, certainly with a lot of value as well. 
you know, mm. from a CPM point of view, um, you know, it's a it's a very efficient way of targeting, and you know, certainly all the benefits of radio in terms of you know geography, local targeting, local conversation, um, and now alignment with uh, Metro Brand. Th- there's a lot of advocacy there. I think I think probably an observation. I mean, Southern Cross have done a great job. I think they, you know, just a bit of championing of regional radio is probably you know certain certain bodies have done better than others. Um, you know, whether that's the OMA um, or now Think TV. I think regional radio probably doesn't shout as loud as it could do. Yeah, yeah, because I guess there's still a few sort of independents, if you like, out there in regional radio with some with some good audiences, but it's okay. um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, maybe a little bit harder to get to. Look, we're going to I'm going to get your thoughts on some of the the big stations around the metro markets and the different shows and that. But I first, just wanted to cover off a couple of other things about the the um, the industry in general. The, Radio ratings, the, the data we get, the media gets from GFK, we get a, a share breakdown um, of every survey. We get we don't really get the QM audiences or the averages. They don't sort of share that with the media as much, but it's it's not too hard to get them. So just tell me a little bit about that. And, and, I, and I, I guess you work off different numbers that, that we would get. You probably run your own stuff. Drew, is that right? Tell indeed. us a bit about that. So every survey... Uh, the, the stations will release, you know, a bit of an EDM to the agency, you know, talking about, you know, highs and lows and, you know, where their, where their successes are for a particular survey. You know, we obviously take that into account, but really we actually run our own data. You know, not all clients buy to one particular demographic, so it's important that we run our audiences based on what our clients' needs are. Um, we look at share. We definitely look at share, especially when we start to negotiate. But when, it, when we start drilling down into reviewing um, CPMs and thousands, that's when we start to look at the QM region and the average audience. Okay. And radio likes quoting QM figures. You never hear them quoting average audiences, where it's sort of the reverse of people sort of laugh if TV wanted to quote a, a reach figure as the sort of, you like know... Like a full national... Yeah, uh, yep. yeah, you know, but um, radio seemed to do that. Um, is it similar with you, Ash? You, you, your team, they run the numbers and, and is, is average audience pretty critical? Um, look, I think we, I think we, we firstly when we, we're seeing the survey data come in, I think it's that's important. Um, we do, um, we do. I'll, I'll share. Look at more on a from an analysis point of view on a either a year to date or a, a full annualised survey. Um, certainly, you want to be looking at at least six surveys to do any meaningful piece of analysis. That survey data and that average survey data is important. Um, I think when it comes to radio, often you know clients have got market by market priorities. Certainly, we would dig down into markets and look at that. I think it's important to, um, you know, there's a few headlines that come out. That's always very nice. Um, <laughs> you know, we read the trade press. It's, it's very, you know, it's great to have a bit of PR out there about radio. And I'm pleased to see we see more of that kind of PR this year, which is, which is important. That said, I think um, it's important from an Amplify point of view that we really dig behind the numbers and what they're saying. Also, just because, a, you know, a certain session does well. Um, or, or the network does well doesn't necessarily mean that that's got either commercial benefit for a client or yeah. or the ability to you know to work with them on a, a meaningful way. So I think it's that's important. I think you know my observation as well is it depends on our clients as well. You know we've got clients again if we go back to the analogy around sport to them you know it's not necessarily as important what some networks are doing. They they, they may be really focused on Triple M. Uh, they may be f- really focused on um, you know MRN. So I think we we need to sort of with interest look at what comes out of the survey period but then really distill it for our clients and give them a deeper point of view. Do you factor in risk at all? Let's just take a ARN down in Melbourne, two new breakfast shows in the same year within the space of a couple of surveys. Do you look at that and think, well, look, we're not sure how that might go, so it's harder to maybe invest long term? Uh, 
Or do you say, look, they know what they're doing, we'll just assume it's No, absolutely. It's going you, to work. you definitely need to. Yeah. You definitely need yeah. to. Um, with, you know, with any talent shift, that there's always that risk. You know, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago when Kyle and Jackie O left the Today Network, you know, we saw a massive big drop in there and obviously a massive jump across Kiss when they moved across. I think it, it shocked the market just how much the audience actually followed that particular um, duo. We're constantly looking at how talent are performing. That's definitely a key element for us. Um, we certainly wouldn't not spend across ARN. You know, they certainly have a place in our clients' um, media schedules. Um, kind of, yeah, so yeah, we definitely wouldn't. Yeah, I think risk is. Them. I think risk is important. I think you know we, we sort of alluded then around Kyle and Jack. I remember when Kyle, you know, Kyle and Jack moved. I, I, I still seem to remember that. Um, you know, back then we did some work um, with with Kyle and Jack, um, but we also did some work with with Two Day from where they come. Um, there was a value, sort of a value or opportunity there. I think with some bankable talent, even if they moved, I think you, um, you know, with a bit of analysis and uh, understanding of the radio market, you can you can back that. Um, I think also from a risk point of view, it's not just about sessions moving; it's about existing sessions and where there may be headlines about certain sessions doing well. It doesn't necessarily mean, certainly for us and our clients, that they are viable from an integration point of view. There's the, the talent risk as well. Um, not so much these days around people like Kyle. Um, he's become very kind of commercially savvy and, um, you know, works very well with um, with ARN around delivering for clients. But I would say there's some other talent who p- potentially are less commercially viable for clients at the moment. So I think that's important as well. You you mentioned then uh, Today FM and the, the, the sort of trouble they've had, you know, building an audience to replace the one Kyle and Jackie took with them to, um, to kiss in Sydney. Um, how important is that single market? Because people in smaller markets often think, oh, look, everybody focuses on Sydney and Melbourne. But I guess from an advertising point of view, you, you need to have those two markets, right, regardless of, of what's happening in the other metros? Yeah, the, I mean, the, for, for the majority of clients, Sydney and Sydney and Melbourne are critical. Yeah, um, You know, bre- breakfast builds the day. Breakfast is, you know, a critical session for our clients. Um, we, we, we know that that's roughly about 23% of all, you know, all listening is in breakfast. Of that, probably 80% of that is live. You know, live's very powerful as well. Uh, we, we know that that, that has a you know, deep ROI impact for clients. So um, I would say it's, it's important for us um, and within that, the breakfast show as well. Um, so obviously, well, from a Southern Cross point of view, that, that's been something they're working on. There's, in, there's improvement there. They've had a couple of surveys of improvement, certainly in Sydney. Um, and, you know, we, we look at that with interest at the moment. Yeah, Drew. You know the the hit network's been doing very well outside of Sydney, nearly number one in Brisbane. Um, uh, Fifi uh, Box down in Melbourne has, has yep. been a ratings magnet, you know, for a little while now. Yep. Adelaide's not so great. New, I think, a new show over in Perth. You know, but do they really need to, um, you know, get Sydney humming again before the the dollars will flow? I think they do. I think also with the introduction of of Hughes and Kate in the mix across the drive show. Like, it's only been three surveys for these guys, so I think we need to give them some legs and let them actually see where they can actually take the market. From a Melbourne-only point of view, we know that Fox FM pretty much dominate across most demographics, um, and they certainly own own um, um, breakfast during that time, whereas with Drive, it's more um, Kate to Mamadi. But I think with the introduction of Hughes and Kate, that would generally lift the station. Um, I think we'll call it the Hughes and Kate halo effect across the year. So I think time will tell us to how effective those two are. Yeah, yeah I think that's. A, I think it's where you. you um, it's always interesting. I mean, you know, we'll probably at some point today touch on um, kind of verification, right? But the you know the, the the survey methodology and the way surveys work. 
um, the diary system. Um, you know, it, it could be a bit of misattribution around that talent at the moment. You know, it's you know, we're only on survey three. Uh, you wonder about that that talent swapping, and you know, obviously, yeah. um, either has the marketing been been strong enough in order to. Uh, let people know about about that change, or are people, you know, are people still when they're filling in the diaries, attributing it to a different network? You know, mm. who knows? You mentioned then the, the the diary system. I mean, have we got a pretty good um, system in Australia? I mean, CRA have gone out and said, look, they've, they've, I think they've opened some tenders to hear from people about, you know, maybe introducing a, an element of electronic measurement. They've they nearly went with that system. I think probably over a decade ago now. But, I was going to say this no. is a, I've been in the market for a decade <laughs> yeah. and yeah yeah, yeah. and that, but but it's a hard thing to do, isn't it, to to get something that works? I don't know if anywhere in the world has cracked it with the electronic measurement for radio. I think Norway have. Have they? Yeah. Okay. I mean, look, clearly I'm not an expert on Norway. <laughs> yeah. and, um, let, you know, let's have the two yeah. two question rule. Don't ask more than yeah. two questions, right? Um, but I think if you look at overseas, certainly in, in the Scandix, there's been some pretty effective work done around um, cross cross platform attribution. I can't even say cross platform attribution. <laughs> Um, uh, I think it's a fair fair to say no one's cracked it. I think f- from a survey point of view in the diary system, um, I w- what I would say is it's a it's a standard. You know, it might not be um, as you know deeply um, you know attributable as some other kind of methodologies, but but it, but it does give us a standard. Um, I did hear from you know some of the, some of the commentary recently was that you know there's been some testing of um, sort of more digital ways of um, attributing whether that's through through app or or mobile the feedback was that much of the output of that um, verification actually was very aligned to the survey methodology yeah. i think it mirrored the diary yeah, yeah exactly if you yeah. look around the market um, you know, we've spoken about TV today and, you know, some of our digital partners, you know, the challenge of different ways of verifying media. What I would say is that the survey methodology gives a standard across all of radio and a standard that's been there for a long time. So, you know, clients can have comfort that it is transparent in the in, in, in a very standardised way, right? Mm. So the diary system still works, obviously. Um, 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 and as we touched on, obviously, it you know what they've done last year actually mirrored what they were what they found in diary. We know that GF, GFK are certainly working on a roadmap at the moment. I'm working on a prog- or an MIP program or a measurement innovation program. Um, obviously, there's no new information on that as yet, but that'll probably come out probably towards the end of the year. I think yeah, I think it's imp- I think it's important. As I say, I think that it's easy to knock the diary system, but the standard's important. But what I would say is to future-proof radio and, and, and keep giving radio the platform to succeed moving forward. I do think it needs looking at, and you know, it, it needs to be brought into, you know, let's call it the digital age. I think we're post the digital age. Wherever we are now, mm. it, you know, we, it, it does need <laughs> yep. attention. I think, but sure, but it works at the moment for clients. And also, when they do implement this new process, I think making sure that all the stations are aligned as well is definitely. The key thing, right? Because at the moment we're still getting the, the the digital numbers come out as a separate document, yep. and those audiences look pretty small still for for, for digital radio. So sure, very small still, <laughs> but growing, but yes. growing, but definitely, yeah, yeah. But definitely yeah. growing. Yeah, you got to think it's a way of the future. Yep. Um, day parts. I mean, you've spoken, um, Ash. You made some stats there about breakfast and and the amount of live listening um, is. There's been a bigger focus on drive over the last, I don't know, I guess probably ever since Hamish and Andy, yep. you know, and maybe before that, Martin Malloy, going back a long time, but, but Hamish yeah, and Andy... <laughs> Hamish and Andy really sort of made other people realise, oh, look, you know, you can get a big audience. They probably seemed to monetize that uh, stereo as it was back in the day. Yep. Did very well with sponsorships and stuff like that. Is there 
is it a is it a is it a new prime time drive time? I think dri- or an alternate prime time. Uh, absolutely. I think there's a lot of competition now in the drive space. Um, we've we've got Husey and Kate um, across across hit, hit network. We've now got uh, ARN with Will and Woody yep. coming to the market. Um, Nova's got Kate to Marty, who has been around for a couple of years now. So yep. they've really um, been able to hold that premium position across Drive. As I mentioned earlier, they they're number one in Drive across most demos. You know, for four of the five markets, which is great. And now we've got Jane Kennedy and Mick Malloy coming to Drive as of this year. So. From a drive point of view, it's actually a really strong lineup. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out for the rest of the year. Yeah, and I'd, I'd agree with that. I think the um, so, something like eight to nine percent of people have listened to radio in the past month in the car. Uh, we know that in car is exceptionally important. Certainly, drive like breakfast is a critical session. It's a critical critical session for our clients as well. In terms of clients who are many who are using radio from a call to action, you know whether that's the you know the the commute is key, uh, being top of mind um, on the way home. So. Absolutely, and, and like Andrew says, it's a, such a such a competitive space at the moment uh, from from a drive point of view. Yep. To to my ears, as a listener listening to drive, it seems to be there's good commercial opportunities there because you can get clutter in breakfast because everybody wants to be there, and there's a lot of competing messages. But you can seem to maybe own a drive show with with maybe smaller investment perhaps, and and get good good sponsorship. Would would that be right? I think there's good sponsorships in both breakfast and drive. Okay. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily one. I think breakfast is still a really high demanding time, but also think drive is just as well. Mm. Um, and I think there's opportunity across both. Yeah, yeah there's probably a bit of, a bit more value. I would say in drive. Um, again, it you know front of mind though is what what's the client trying to achieve? You know, there's there's good reasons why clients want to be. Um, you know, aligned with breakfast, but certainly uh, from a drive point of view, there's, there's a bit more value, probably a bit less demand around some sort of sponsorships and um, sort of talent alignment, I would say. Daytime listening, so at work, they probably call it. Um, weekends, is that is that just bonus spots from... No. <laughs> or, the network certainly or, wouldn't want you to think that. Well, no. No, I've, it's a provocative question, yeah. I guess, but is it yep. is it partly right? I mean, is it... I, yeah, well, there's 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 still an audience across those day parts. And again, if you if you pull it back to a client strategy... If 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 daytime advertising is your key area of focus, then obviously you know the morning and the afternoon shift. It definitely has a an overall part to play in your communication strategy. Yeah, I mean, for us, for um, from an amplified point of view, I'd say look, that day, daytime is just audience for us. I don't think there's many clients who are, have got like sort of focused daytime strategies. Really, really, radio is all about breakfast and drive. Um, you know, the talent that sit there. Um, I think I think daytime is more important for the networks. Um, certainly, what we've seen with this survey, um, you know, a, a bit of work to do from for Nova, for example, in daytime, uh, you know, a bit of a lift from Southern Cross. So, uh, for us, it's just that's just audience delivery. I think you know we look at kind of the peaks at the beginning and the end of the day, and certainly in the middle of the day, we think increasingly about podcasting. Uh, we think about streaming and those those areas that take a bit more of a sort of the, the front load of audience. Um, so yeah, I think it's a. Not as not as um, not as important for for our clients, but certainly the the from an overall audience point of view, it works into the overall kind of um, audience that we, we look at across each network. Yeah. Okay. Well, look. Let's. Um. I'll, I'll come back to podcasting, so I might sort of leave that to, towards the end there. But let's just look at a couple of the the markets. Um, uh, S- Sydney this week. It was it's 
ARN's really got a grip on that Sydney market. I mean, we'll, we'll of course, acknowledge 2GB's continued leadership up here. And yep. and, and while I do that, I first might throw this into the 2GB 3AW, part of the Macquarie Network now. They often talk a little bit about they don't get the commercial recognition from advertisers for the size of the audience they demand. Are you guys falling down on the job? Come on, what's what's what's, what's going on? Why aren't you putting in as much money as you should be into um, to those stations? I think it's based on your client's demographic. So if you're, they do really well on total people and, and, and GBs as well. And if you are buying a GB audience, then they're obviously great. But not our, all of our clients buy those demos. You know, a lot of our clients are more mainstream, like just like people sixteen to thirty nine and twenty five fifty four. And unfortunately, um, from an audience point of view, um, obviously they're they're not within the top four or top five stations. So, yes, they it, radio will definitely have a play in terms of your comm strategy, but unfortunately, when you're looking at these particular demos, they're not as high. Yeah. ARN seem to have a, a good grip on the market here in Sydney. Um, unless you're going really young, it's hard to think of an advertiser who wouldn't have that in their campaign. Is that... Jury, that... I think Kyle and Jack here absolutely dominate the breakfast time slot. Yeah. And I think that pretty much lifts the whole station across the board. Um, from a, like a, a younger audience, they do really well. From a more mainstream, people 25, 54, you know, they've still held that number one spot um, for the last 12 months and, mm. and I don't think we'll, we, we see that changing for the rest of the year. Yeah, and Jones and Amanda on WSFM yeah. are very strong yep. second, aren't yep. they? And, um, they? And that are. station overall just does some, some really big numbers. Yep. Yeah, I think they, they, um, if we look back over the past, I mean... Um, we think about the past sort of five or six years from the kind of re- they've done a good job in terms of the rebrand. Um, the Kyle and, Kyle and Jackie O are, you know, it's arguably arguable that they're globally peerless. I mean, that you know, they're, 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 they 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 really can't be unseated from an audience point of view. You get ebbs and flows, like my, small ebbs and flows, but um, you know, they're, they're they're in the box seat there. Um, you know, Jonesy and Amanda slightly different um, feel for the network on WS. Um, you know, appealing to um, different advertisers, so. Yeah, you know, they've had a sort of a good survey now and just from a Sydney point of view, I think they'd be very pleased with it. Nova, from a from a 10-plus point of view, doesn't often look brilliant. I mean, this survey, they're down there in the sixes, which is okay. <laughs> Sorry, Ash. But, um, but no, I was going, I'm getting to the good stuff. But if you look at their key, particularly 1824, they're, they're number one. So they do very well, and they do very well in that younger demo. Yeah. And, and how often do you combine that with what Smooth would offer and do a, a, a group buy? And I guess this is in general, I guess. Do you, do you always look at the, for a duopoly where they've got two stations and most of the major networks do, do you look at the combo or do you really buy station by station? Well, I think, I think it's a, a, you know, certainly um, from, from an amplified point of view, um, as with Andrew here from an O&D point of view, you know, we've got an awful lot of clients and clients with different requirements. I'd say that the combo buy with Smooth is probably less prevalent than it used to be. Certainly when Smooth went through the big, sort of the big rebrand and changed its focus from a, a music point of view, um, it, it, it was looped in with Nova. That's probably less so these days. I mean, you know, I would say, um, you know, I agree with you around sort of Nova and we're talking about breakfast and um, Fitzy and Whipper and they've, they've kind of like sort of, sort of, they are in that middle ground now in terms of, you know, running six, seven shares. Um, I, this, this is probably where I would say you, you need to look beyond the survey da- data because, um, you know, and they're not alone with this, I would say, but they're very, they're very good commercially. So from an integration point of view with clients, um, you know, we, we, we know with them we're not going to get any surprises. Um, they're, they're a very much safe place or brand safe place for advertisers. So 
Um, I think I think you do need to look beyond um, the survey data sometimes and go what do clients want. And certainly from an integration point of view, they're, they're, they're up there with the best. It's not so much a linear channel anymore. I think the a station's ecosystem um, has is just going from strength to strength. You know, you've got your linear broadcast, you've, you've got your podcast, you've got your streaming, um, you've got the apps, you've also then got their social elements as well, you know, Twitter, Facebook, that kind of thing. Um, so... So you've got to factor all that into your buying decisions? Um, yes and no. Um, from a, If we're just doing a purely right position, yes. But I think holistically, um, you definitely include it all in. And that's mm. probably probably where we go back to um, Macquarie Radio Network and, you know, the, the data's clear, you know, percentage of audience compared to percentage of revenue, there's a, there's a pretty big gulf there. Um, but, you know, as we're talking about now, clients want more, often more than just spot schedules. You know, they want integration, they want events, um, they want talent, um, you know, alignment. They want, you know, certain types of live, re- live reads. They want exciting campaigns to engage. So, you know, some of these FM networks we're talking about, they've really evolved their businesses over the past five to ten years and and, and, and then into sort of the digital areas and, and, and those areas we'll talk about today. So, you know, the, 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 the breakfast show is so critical, but but then it's one one element of a wider uh, campaign mix for, for clients. Um, Triple M, we've talked a little bit about today in Sydney and how it's sort of still a little bit the ugly child in the hit network, I guess. But, I mean, it's it's certainly on the rise, and that's my words. I'm not putting words in your guys, but I, I acknowledge that it's um, started to come good in Sydney. I mean, if they can harness some of that um, that energy that M. Rosciano has been um, been attracting, they could, you know, they could, they could use that as a, a positive force perhaps. But, but Triple M, perhaps, it's... Um, it's been off the boil a little bit in Sydney. It was under six percent, which is never a good look, but it's crept just a back above that. But it's one of the strengths of um, Triple M. It's it's male targeting and it's the sports connection that it, that it offers um, advertisers. Uh, yes, but I also think now that they've introduced Jane Kennedy to a national drive spot, I think that will also help lift a a broad audience as well. I think from a female demographic, I think they've seen some increases across Triple M, which is great for the first three surveys, but I think that will have a general shift across the board as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. tri- I mean, Triple M, it, it, it's something distinct, isn't it? Um, certainly, it does seem to attract um, clearly those kind of male-focused campaigns, though if you dig a bit deeper on its audience, um, there's an awful lot of women listening out there as well. Um, so, yeah, I think so. Something distinct. Um, again, it, it's where you look beyond the survey data. Um, and th- those kind of integration opportunities, clients wanting to work deeper around uh, some of the talent they've got, very, you know, high profile and um, sports talent who people want to work with. Um, and certainly they, they, they do a great job. It's well marketed, I think. You know, it's a strong brand. Um, so it certainly, it, it certainly punches um, harder than some its survey data might suggest. And just just quickly on sport, it's been a focus, particularly down in Melbourne, it's very strong. You've got uh, SEN down there, changed ownership, and it's... Um, uh, they're, they're sort of hoping to, to lift that, change some of the shifts down there, um, brought in some new talent. You've got, a, it's not on the survey, but I think there's a racing station down there, um, RSN, sort of thoroughbred racing. Yep. Which, uh, there's sort of Sky Sports Radio up here in Sydney. Uh, there's, of course, in the Macquarie Sports. Yep. It's just the re-branded. Um, rebranded from yep. the old, uh, which, which was 2UE, then Talking Lifestyle. Yep. I think down in Melbourne it was Magic, wasn't it? And it then, was, yeah. And, um, so, I mean, it's still very early days for that but um they what have they got to get to to start attracting some dollars i mean would you ever in would you go into sen on, on this sort of audiences you absolutely yeah no sen definitely form part of our clients media mix um 
I think they'll, they'll be happy with, with, you know, with Survey 3 results at the moment. You know, yes, they, they aren't, you know, your big hitters like a Fox FM or a Nova, but they've certainly had some increases. I think they've had like 10% increase the last, you know, this survey, so they'll definitely be pleased with that. Yeah. I think, yeah. You definitely have a role in our, in our clients' brands, and, you know, and if you have a, you know, a sport uh, strategy, then obviously that would be key. I think Macquarie would be disappointed. Mm. You know, it's a, a, a difficult, difficult result for them. Um, I think it, I think it shows the difficulty of launching a pure sport focused proposition. Yeah. Um, I think it's hard to disrupt some of the bigger um, networks. Um, certainly, it's harder again from from a population point of view. Um, so, I think there's um, you know I think that's going to be a, sort of a difficult year around that proposition, um, and we kind of see if it, it can lift out of there. But you know, when it's um, attracting sort of point fours, it's it's a, it's a challenging audience to kind of grow from. Yeah, it's going to be hard, isn't it? Especially without much uh, live sport, particularly any network sort of um, live sport or offering. Uh, yep. To hear people talking about sport on one channel where you could be listening it to on the other. Or uh, another. It's yep. going to be a, a hard sell, isn't it? Um, quickly, also down in Melbourne, um, what's going on down there? ARN, we've, we've talked a little bit about them before, you know, the two new breakfast shows. Um both the Nova offering and the um, Southern Cross uh, duopolies down there offer a, a, a bit more. It's your home market, Drew. Any sort of thoughts about Melbourne down there? It is. I, as I mentioned earlier, you know, Fox FM just dominate the market, um, both, you know, and, and they have for quite some time now. Um, you know, Hamish and Andy, when they had, you know, they had such a leadership position in that particular space. And, and the good thing with um, Husey and Kate, they've, when they've come on air, they've been able to continue that leadership position and really actually, I think, grow um, share slightly. From a KISS FM point of view, I think they've got some work to do. Um, they've, they've, for a broader People 2554 demo, they've, they've had some declines the last few surveys. So I'll definitely be looking internally to see what they can do to try and turn that around. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's you, you, they always say, look, we're going to give this show a long time, but then they, yep. there comes a point where they have to draw a line have, and go, okay, you have to call it's it. out. Yeah, yeah. You have to call it. Do, they, do radio stations ever get feedback from advertisers about, you know, what's their thoughts about the, the programming or the lineup? Or I don't know. I think, I think money talks, doesn't it? I yeah. think, you know, yeah. we, I think the, if we stop spending, <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, that's that, um, you know, we, we sort of talked about Sydney Breakfast before, but I think the, whilst, you know, there's, obviously there's growth there, then controversy can bring caution. You know, we spoke, spoke about risk. I think you know, clients will pull back revenue. I mean, if you look at radio more broadly, um, really for radio, for the growth of radio and to move beyond the, the spot, the spot revenue isn't really growing. So the integration money is key. So I think the, I think the networks are pretty attuned to what's driving uh, results in terms of um, revenue and, and those, you know, if you if you have continuous surveys, it depends on which patience people have got. I mean, sometimes you you there's been t- sort of talent in the past where you you kind of feel like the, the networks have given them more than a fair go. Um, but then there's been situations where talent kind of don't last as long as maybe people would feel fair. But um, ultimately, certainly once you get into the middle of the year, the numbers don't lie. I would say. Yes. Yeah. Um, let's just look at some of the the, the markets outside of Melbourne. I mean, uh, they're they're smaller markets, less competition. I think there's only there's six commercial stations. I think in um, Adelaide and um, and and um, Perth, and maybe it might be seven in Brizzy. I think, yeah, I think there's seven up there. But uh, a lot is it a lot easier to buy when there's less stations? Or it is, it is <laughs> um, definitely. It's like I know from a younger demographic, it's pretty much been a bit of a two horse race between Hit and Nova at mm-hmm. the stage. Um, they've kind of been battling it out between the number one, number two spots for the last 12 months, So, and we'll probably expect that to continue. So that's Brisbane, yeah? 
in Brisbane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And then from a broader people demographic, um, it's really anyone's game. We know that Nova's obviously has remained on top for like the last probably about um, seven or six surveys, um, but you've got the other stations right on their tail. So, mm. the uh, they rebranded the the. I think they call it the KISS Network, don't they, which includes 97.3, yes. uh, Mix in Adelaide and 96. Um, is there any point in, you know, I guess you can't change, any point in changing the call signs? Does that ever make any difference to, does it, does advertisers like the idea oh, it's a network or the same name or anything or it doesn't really matter? I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I think advertisers, I don't think it really matters for advertisers. What I think, you know, clearly from a commercial point of view, um, you know the radio networks want to be easy to plan, easy to buy, easy to understand their offering. Um, certainly, by where you have that brand alignment, um, people there's a certain brand affinity. People understand what the brand stands for. Um, I would say that it's a, a positive move if radio is is able to be bought, planned, and bought in an, you know easy, in an easier way from a transaction point of view. So we would endorse that. But I don't think an advertiser really they they just they just want reach and um, you know cost cost efficient cost reach efficient value reach, and yeah. integration. Yeah, sure. Mm. Mm, yeah, because that Kiss Network, I mean, 97.3, I don't think you mentioned them for Brisbane. They do pretty well too. They're up in that. Yep. So it's, it's almost a three-way race there. And Mix really dominates in um, in Adelaide, Adelaide historically, doesn't yep. it? It's, um, I guess you've got to be there for for a lot of stuff. But I suppose the, the SCA is good for a slightly younger younger demo, even though they were hit. It, it's pretty good under under 24, but, but you go above yeah, that and it sort yep. of wrecks their all-people number, makes them look um, pretty yep. bad. Yep. Um, who actually makes buying decisions, though? I mean, you guys are the heavy hitters. You're at the top of the tree. When you hear, I've heard this criticism, and, I, and I'm not suggesting this is by any way true, that there are younger people down down the list who might favour their favourite stations. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard that, but um, definitely, I, th- what, I think not. That can that happen? Um, oh, you like to hope not, and mm. you certainly don't think so. I know a couple of stations have probably. Come in and talk. You know, we're not getting the share out of you guys because you have younger younger buyers. Whenever we do a negotiation or we plan through a negotiation, you know, the numbers are pulled off the GFK system. You know, the numbers are analysed. The numbers are spoken about. There's discussion there, and we make sure that what we ever put forward is definitely on brand and on strategy for the client as well. I can see the other stations' point of view about younger TV buyers, but it doesn't happen. Yeah, mm. I, I don't think that's the case at all. No. Yeah, and, you know, I don't think the case at all. Um, I think for us, it's about about uh, sort of plan, plan buyers being engaged with radio and understanding radio's offering. Um, I, you know, I think it's an easy easy headline. Uh, <laughs> I don't yeah. think it's true. I'd, I'd, I'd be interested to know. <laughs> yeah. You know where that comes from, but I, I don't think so. No, I think it's not. probably a good thing too, too, if the buyers are engaged with the industry, isn't it? And I, I think. Like, I mean, look, yeah. I think I, I don't. I don't see any evidence of that. I think you know. Also, if you flip it on its head, if 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 planner buyers in the industry are favouring um, networks that they listen to, it's highly likely that they're the best shows, and uh, you know they're they're winning in the survey data. So, <laughs> even if it is true, you mm. know what what are we really saying? Um, I think what what's important are. That planner buyers are, are fully educated on, um, you know, driving value in radio, on working with talent, on getting the best results for clients. I think they are. Um, I think the, you know, if you look at the media eye uh, results recently, and you know, the radio networks are doing a great job of educating our planner buyers. Um, you know, they, they're consistently um, top of the ratings. Um, you know, around engagement, about being proactive, about going into agencies. I think. Um, if you look across the last 10 years, certainly radio has become a lot more strategic than it used to be. Um, it, you know, if you look at any radio proposal now, there's a lot of depth to that. 
um, I think one of the areas of maybe opportunity for the radio networks is getting better at, or being seen to be better by the planner buyers at bringing in research and the, the, the kind of depth of um, analysis that some of the digital players um, bring because the, the data shows that that's probably the area of opportunity. Um, you know, I think I think I would say planner buyers are probably more attuned than ever before about radio and and its subsidiary parts from a digital podcasting or a talent point of view. Okay. Well, look, well, let's wrap this up and, and I'll, I'll ask you both about podcasting and, um, you know, where you think we're going with it because um, there's two sorts, I guess, isn't there? There's sort of re, reusing data, uh, reusing content that's already yep. uh, been broadcast, like the most stations now podcast their breakfast shows and are getting pretty good audiences. Yep. And then the sort of native podcast, if you like, which are, which is new content that's not being broadcast on, on radio. Do you treat that all as one or do you treat uh, breakfast show podcasting or drive show podcasting as part of the, the program offering? We, so, uh, yes, so we, when we run our numbers, obviously we look at purely the, the linear offering. Yeah. Um, in terms so of- So you trying, don't factor in what it might do on podcasting when you're buying it? Uh, I think you try and look at the holistic view. Okay. So again, when we spoke about the, the station's ecosystem, it's, well, you know, what are the different touch points? And that certainly comes into effect. But when you're doing your number crunching, you actually don't, don't include those numbers as part of your buy. Um, podcasting is definitely on the rise and such a, and it would become a lot more mainstream. Um, there was a share of audio study done by GFK and of the total um, um, audio landscape, so to speak, um, podcasting makes up around 3.4%, a share of ear, let, let's call it. Um, and we definitely expect that to see that rise, you know, in the coming year, as I said, as podcasts become a lot, a lot more mainstream. Um, the good thing for podcasting is they're very much a one-to-one medium. And we're capturing customers in a space where they're also really highly engaged, which, which is key for us too. Yeah, I think we when so we work with a couple of partners, so a couple of streaming partners, a couple of radio partners around our, our sort of audio stat proposition, um, and and that was some work we've done over the past couple of years, both locally and globally, from an amplify point of view, around a kind of neut- neutral approach to planning of audio or share, you know, share of ear, as, as yeah. Andrew says. Um, you know, when we're looking at propositions. Um, certainly on the on the bigger briefs as well, we we're really segmenting those around um, around the kind of radio proposition, around um, you know podcasting, um, around kind of the streaming side, but also you know with with propositions like Spotify as well locally, and really looking at that share here across all of those. So I, I do think increasingly it is factored in, and certainly ambition for the market is to is to for us is to is to move to that as a standard. I think you know as we talked about earlier. I think measurement has to follow suit. Um, I think you know we we want to be doing the very best work for clients, but um, if if the measurement isn't there, it's hard to then uh, sort of aggregate kind of breakfast podcasting into the into the radio offering. But um, I think that's where the market should be aiming for. To people who might be worried that our advertiser is going to wreck the attraction of podcasting, I'm guessing you would say you want to keep it. What's appealing about it to audiences? Yeah, yep. and you don't want to. Fill it full of ads, or do you want to fill it from full an advertising of it? low point of view? Yeah, um, I, would you like a big ad break in the middle of a podcast, or would you like to keep it well, we, you know, uncluttered? We have, have mid rolls now, yeah, don't we? we? Do. I, yep. So we've got mid rolls at the moment. I think, I think, um, I think front of mind for us and, and for our clients is what kind of content are we disrupting audiences with? I think, certainly from a radio point of view, there is a, an acceptance around um, sort of advertising disruption. I think we have to tread very carefully with podcasting. Um, you know, to Andrew's point, very sort of very intimate um, sort of music experience. You know, it's in ear. 
Um, it's often, you know, in, in the evenings or, you know, around kind of personal time. Yeah. So, and I think, you know, that personalization and that sought after content means we have to tread carefully. I think it's absolutely uh, fine for advertising to be in there. I think we have to get away from interruption and make it more about, make it relevant, make it personal and make it, you know, hopefully some kind of utility for, for the audience when they're listening so that when they hear that messaging, it's it's you know something they want to hear and, and doesn't disrupt the enjoyment of correct. the, the yeah. content i think there's something about um, podcasting you know at the moment there's there's that real opportunity around share a voice uh you know you can get more cut through you know it's almost some of it's going back to the original principles of advertising you know that's kind of brought to you by and there's nothing wrong mm. with that certainly for the right proposition um and so we're, we're talking with clients about um certainly how they have fit for purpose content but you know some of the some of the um, old, older school rules about advertising and not overcomplicating what we're doing. Old school, I like it. I mean, that's a discussion for another day. But I think television's going to be going through that soon, where they've got to pull back and you know the competition from streaming platforms with no interruptions. TV's got to maybe think old school and go, okay, they might have some programs that are brought to you by, and then there's no interruption through. Yeah, them. we've seen. You know, it's interesting when you look globally at some of the biggest content platforms now. They're they're actually ad, ad free propositions mm. or subscription services. I think that's interesting. Um, certainly from a radio point of view though you know I think SCA has been trialling mornings without advertising we yep. um, you know we we look at what's going on with gold and, and you know that they, they've had a sort of music only strategy and that seems <laughs> seems to have worked for them <laughs> yeah. um, I think it's about what kind of advertising and the amount of commercial load I certainly think um, you know podcasting is on the rise um, it's moved from kind of being in its embryonic stage it's becoming more mainstream and understood I think we're a long way from worrying about the advertising load in that yep. medium yeah all right look we'll leave it there boys look ash earnshaw from amplify thank you for coming in today and andrew brannigan from omd it's been oh, great uh, great chatting with you both thank you great. appreciate thank- it cheers thank you